Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus back in on the U.S. financials as we will examine recent performance drivers, reflections on the Q1 reporting season, allocation preferences within the group, and more. Uh, Joining us here for the conversation, glad to welcome back Brad Ball, financials analyst for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Brad, good morning. Welcome back and looking forward to our conversation. Uh, Good morning, Dan. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So, uh, Brad, beginning big picture, I know the Chief Investment Office currently has a neutral view on the U.S. financials. So, Brad, can you speak to what that view reflects and how the group fundamentals look against a volatile market backdrop? Sure. Um, yeah, so we have, a, we have a, a neutral view on U.S. financials. That basically means that we expect the group to uh, trade about in line with the overall market over the next 12 months. Uh, we think the risk reward uh, from here is more balanced, uh, given an uncertain macroeconomic environment and market concerns about the potential for a recession, uh, having put pressure on uh, the group and, and the overall market. Um, now, there are two main considerations that I would highlight for financials investors. Uh, on the positive side, I think their pre-war playbook is still intact which includes rising short-term rates, helping boost net interest margins, expanding loan growth, and driving higher net interest revenues with overall solid fundamentals, including a benign credit environment and adequate liquidity and capital. I think that's all still in place, but on the risk side, we do see uh, emerging uncertainties related to higher inflation, Uh, The Fed tightening cycle, which uh, began in March and and seems to be underway in earnest, and the the war in Ukraine, all of this suggests that there's a growing risk of potentially less favorable outcomes for the U.S. economy and for U.S. financials uh, as well. I I would say uh, focus on higher credit costs. Um, That's a concern that is out there in the market, uh, despite the fact that we've seen relatively benign credit costs recently. Um, fee income volatility, uh, we've seen some weakness coming out of the first quarter, and a higher probability broadly that the Fed could uh, have a policy error. Um, there's a, a lot less, I think, confidence in the Fed right now, which would potentially risk uh, stagflation on the one side or recession on the other. So, as I said, I think the risk-reward is more balanced, and uh, that's why we think that the U.S. financials are appropriately viewed as neutral at this time. Now, Brad, I know we're coming off the Q1 reporting season for the group. What are some reflections and takeaways you can share with us? Yeah, as I, as I noted, um, results in the first quarter were generally good. Um, three quarters of the U.S. financials actually beat the consensus estimates or earnings per share in the first quarter. About half of those beats were driven by higher revenues. There was strength that was notable in loan growth. Uh, Net interest margins uh, began to improve in the quarter. All of this drove higher expectations for net interest income. And now there was weakness, uh, fee income, uh, in particular in areas like mortgage banking and capital markets. Um, were somewhat weaker, and we also saw higher expenses uh, and lower book value as balance sheets were marked to market because of the rise in interest rates that happened during the quarter. 
Uh, credit quality, as I mentioned, is benign. Um, first quarter results actually were better than expected in terms of credit losses. And all of this together, I think, um, resulted in uh, EPS estimates, earnings per share estimate revisions, being mainly positive uh, for this year and for 2023. Um, actually, 2023 estimates for banks came up by uh, single digits, low single digits, as margins notched higher. So when you combine this with uh, the underperformance that we've seen in the group since mid-April, uh, valuations have contracted significantly. Um, uh, banks trade at about 50% of the S&P PE versus a more typical 70 to 75%. So that would suggest that uh, you're looking at a relatively inexpensive group here. Um, but I do think that stocks are pricing in these risk factors that I mentioned uh, and some of these risk factors are outside of management's control. Brad, you did towards the top of the conversation mention the Fed, which, of course, has been in the process of executing on its hawkish roadmap here in 2022. And at times, the Fed speak, the Fed policy moves have been market moving. So what are the implications of this policy path, this hawkish policy path by the Fed to the U.S. financials? Sure. Yeah. So rising short-term rates, rising Fed funds are generally good for financials. Uh, banks generate about two-thirds of their revenues from net interest income, and net interest income benefits from higher short-term rates. And that's because the asset sensitivity of bank balance sheets, meaning more assets reprice in the short-term than liabilities, uh, helps uh, create a, a positive uh, factor for net interest margins during a rising rate period. Um, also, in the, in the post-pandemic uh, period here, we've seen uh, demand uh, rising. We've seen higher loan growth. Uh, federal bailout money has uh, largely run out, and other benefits are, are, are done, uh, like unemployment benefits. And so, as a result, consumers are increasingly looking to increase their borrowing to sustain their standard of living. Meanwhile, on the commercial side, you're seeing uh, more uh, use of uh, credit lines. Uh, credit line utilization uh, hit an all-time low last year. We're beginning to see that change. And so commercial loans are also growing. So combining uh, higher short-term rates from the Fed uh, and the positive impact on net interest margins with higher loan growth, uh, is actually driving uh, improvement in net interest revenues. And, and as I said a minute ago, that has driven uh, estimate revisions higher for both this year and next year. Now, Brad, the broader markets have, of course, been grappling with a wide range of risks since the beginning of the year. What would you cite as being the top risks to the financials? Yeah, so as I said, raising rates is generally good for net interest revenue, um, but too much tightening could actually uh, raise some red flags uh, that we're watching for. So there are definitely growing concerns about the potential for a Fed policy error that is perhaps tightening too aggressively uh, in order to combat higher inflation. And I would say there's four main areas of concern to focus on. First, I keep saying that credit is relatively benign. We would worry that credit, which is expected to normalize over the next couple of years, credit would experience a uh, unexpected uh, increase in loss levels as higher rates are more taxing on consumers and businesses, um, you know, especially if uh, the Fed tightens so, so much that it causes a recession. 
Uh, we'd also focus on uh, deposit costs. Uh, as I indicated, rising short-term rates are helpful because banks are asset-sensitive. Generally, deposit costs lag the rise in asset yields during a rising rate environment. But if if market rates rise too fast, then deposit costs can go up more quickly, which would take away some of that net interest margin benefit that I talked about. Third, on the expense front, we have been seeing uh, higher expenses out of the group. Um, a lot of that is inflation-driven. Uh, you know, wage inflation is a factor in the financial services sector. But we've also seen some catch-up investing on technology. We think technology investing will continue as a big driver of expenses for the financial sector going forward as they try to keep ahead of the competitiveness of, of new fintech competitors. And then finally, um, in terms of capital, as I mentioned, capital resources for the group have been very strong. Uh, it helps sustain the group through the, uh, through the pandemic uh, in relatively good shape. But uh, because of the market markets that I mentioned in the first quarter and other demands on capital like higher loan growth, we think that share repurchases may be less of a tailwind uh, going forward than they have been in the past. So just summarizing those risks, Dan, real quick, uh, credit is, is something to watch carefully. Uh, deposit costs are probably on the rise. Expenses are much higher for secular reasons, not just cyclical. And capital may not be as robust as it was uh, going into the pandemic a couple of years ago. So, Brad, mindful of those four risk considerations or red flags, also accounting for general market volatility as we're now heading close to heading into the second half of the year, what is your performance outlook for the group? Yeah, so getting back to where we started, our neutral view for U.S. financials implies that uh, financials perform about in line with the overall market. Uh, that means that financials will probably be somewhat range-bound over the next uh, year or so, uh, despite, as I said, valuations having pulled back significantly since the start of the year. The group, and the group is looking argu arguably cheap here relative to the market. I believe that the overhangs, the risks that I just went through, uh, the uncertainty related to the macro, um, you know, policy errors, the Fed uh, potentially. Uh, going too fast or too slow, uh, sort of a Goldilocks scenario is, is, is the best scenario, but there's a risk that we, we may not achieve that. And therefore, the risk return for the group looks more balanced. As they say, expect returns to be about in line with the overall market. Brad, as we begin to close out with all of this in mind, maybe we can touch on allocation within the sector. Now, from a subsector standpoint, what in your view looks most attractive at this time, Brad? Yeah, so as you may have gathered from uh, my commentary about the risk factors, I do think sentiment uh, is very negative currently. Uh, the market seems to be pricing in a at least some uh, possibility, some probability of a recession. Um, and, you know, I believe that, that in these kinds of markets, there's significant uncertainty and risk aversion that you have to consider when looking at your uh, subsector recommendations. Therefore, I try to recommend uh, the subsectors and companies that are likely to endure the choppy markets best, uh, those that um, I think will potentially gain market share and could come out on the other side of this stronger as a result. Uh, so I believe in that context, the larger universal banks are best positioned to 
benefit from uh, their uh, very uh, strong balance sheets, uh, the fact that they've got resources to draw on during more challenging times, and I think they do have the most attractive profitability levels over the long term. I'd also note that a relatively defensive uh, subsector would be the insurance brokerage space. Uh, that's a subsector that has a relatively clear path to organic growth in a mix of macroeconomic environments. And then finally, in the payment services uh, space, the networks that have no credit risk and have secular growth appeal, I think, are a good place to invest for those that are looking for a relative safe haven but want to take advantage of the uh, post-pandemic uh, release of pent-up demand that we're already seeing signs of and we think will probably continue uh, at least over the next 6 to 12 months. Well, Brad, very nice catching up with you this morning. Thank you for dropping by to spend some time with our clients, our listeners, and to share your thoughts on the U.S. financials, the performance update, the outlook, as well as the guidance on positioning. And looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon, though. Thank you again for your time and insights today, Brad. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you, Dan. Today, we've been joined by Brad Ball, Financials Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, as well as portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the most recent U.S. Financials Equity Preference List update from Brad Ball, which was authored on April 12th. For clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.